Entrepreneurship is great, but can also seem overwhelming. Wouldn't you like to know the pros, opportunities, and problems with different business and investment strategies before you jump in? Well then, welcome to Entrepreneurship Exposed. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Entrepreneurship Exposed with your guy, Bees, where we talk about everything related to entrepreneurship with a twist of business acquisitions, right? And I can't even say the whole topic that we're talking about today. I can't say it's like almost like a tongue twister. It's the long game versus the delay game in investing. And we're going to expose that with our guest today. I'm not even sure what that means, right? With the long game versus the delay game, but we're going to find out today. <laughs> so welcome to our guest, Justin Freistat. I got to be careful with his last name because, you know, my, my first name is Bjorn and a lot of people mess it up. But I, do people mess up your name a lot, man? Constantly to the point where, you know, I'm not even sure what it is anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that 100 percent. It's so funny because although my name is Bjorn, growing up, people call me Beyond for some reason. I just kind of went with it. I was like, yeah, OK, Beyond. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but Justin, man, hey, welcome to Entrepreneurship Exposed, brother. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yo, t- t- tell the people more about yourself, who you are and, you know, what you how you came to where you are today. Wow. Well, it's a long story, but first of all, just glad to be here. I love talking about stuff like this with people who want to get better, that want to win. So we're all in the right place right now, which feels great. But for me growing up, I got, I watched my dad be, you know, he's a serial entrepreneur. So I, I got to see all the ups and downs. I saw him build big businesses. I saw him lose everything. So it, it was kind of like going through a master class of building wealth, destruction and all that stuff, you know, before I was an adult, which was you know, that's a great gift if you want to be an entrepreneur to get to get those lessons early on before you even start. So I feel like I got to see what's possible and, and also see how, how quickly it could be taken away from you, which, you know, that that's a great jump point for anybody because most of us have to go through that. And I'm very thankful I got to watch my dad go through it so I could, you know, learn a little bit and avoid some of those mistakes. But, you know, none of us are getting out of this game without getting hurt. You know, it's, it's, it's just part of it. We're all going to get hurt at some point. So, you know, you just sign up for that and keep moving forward. And But, but, but I prefer, you know, you, you have problems in no matter what you do, right? Mm-hmm. I, I prefer these problems. I don't know. These problems is like, hey, you know, it, it's stressful, but I'd rather these problems than the problems I had when I was working in my corporate career. Yeah. Me. You know, and, and I love that you mentioned that about your father because you saw him build big, big, build big businesses and then lose it all. Mm-hmm. That is what we love to talk about on here because, yes, you can lose it all, but yeah, he gained it back, did he not? He did several times. Oh, several times. You see what I'm saying? I love that. That's that's the real about entrepreneurship. So, so keep going. Let, let's know more about you know what you really do now, and then we're gonna start getting into that delay game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we built, I with my dad, we built an organic food delivery service. That was the first thing I did. I dropped out of college, just started in sales there. It was a small little company. Fast forward 12 years later, we blow it up over 10 million in annual sales and sell it to a private equity firm. And, you know, I was looking at, okay, what am I going to do next? And, and that's how I ended up in the hedge fund space, which, you know, that whole time building that business, I, I loved investing. I studied it more than business. I, I 
wanted to be in this space so bad. So I got the opportunity to do that, leaving that business. And it's been a ton of fun. I mean, raising capital, the hedge fund world, it's it's high stakes and it's exciting at all times. And, you know, business is the ultimate sport. You know, not all of us are going to have the genetics to, to go play in the league. And I was a hockey player, got pretty far, but didn't get pro. And, you know, this is a business. Business is where we can all go pro. So it's, it's the right spot if you want to live a competitive life. I love it. So, you know, you're talking my language when you start talking about private equity and hedge funds and all, you know, obviously with business acquisitions, at times we may utilize private equity. I have a community where I, I teach mergers and acquisitions and through it, I always talk about the different tiers, the different levels, right? So if, if I'm going after a $1 million company, I can get that done a variety of ways. The traditional way is the SBA 7A loan, right? This is just like buying real estate. Or I still can do my leverage buyouts where I incur debt in the business in order to pay for it as long as there's enough cash flow to service the debt. But once you start getting into like those 10 million plus acquisitions, sure, you could do the exact same thing. An LBO and structure the deal in a certain way that it covers you know, all of the debt or covers the acquisition costs. But something that comes up now is the private equity space. Because now you can get private equity firms that will come in and buy per percentage of the deal in order to help you get it done. Right. So how how much have you been? So being in private equity as well, but how much is, have you been involved in full acquisitions? Like how, have you acquired directly or are you more so managing like a GP of the private equity fund? Where, where exactly in the private equity space do you do you sit? Yeah, so we're so Kearns Capital, we're a 506C hedge fund and the private equity side, we have several funds, but the private equity side is with the partnership with a much bigger fund. It's Forte Capital Group and it's their Innovation X fund over a billion under management. So our strategy, you know, starting a, a hedge fund, you know, we've raised $20 million so far. So we're very small in the space, but through building relationships with the big guys, you know, I, we're an LP of a much bigger fund. So it gives mm -hmm. us access to these giant deals. Mm -hmm. And and then that's, and it kind of goes down a ladder, right? So they're, they're structuring the deal, they're getting the shares. And then they come to smaller funds like us and, and that's how they raise all the capital. So we're kind of just raising capital from accredited investors, packaging that up into an SPV. And then we go in and hit the minimum or, you know, whatever allocation they want to give us of, of the deal. So that, that's how it would work in, in the private equity side for us. Nice. Okay, team, you guys know you got to throw up some stuff on, on the screen for our audience because we have audiences from beginners, the novice to the experts. So first of all, when, when I mentioned GP and then when Justin mentioned LP, we're talking about limited partners and general partners. When Justin mentioned SPV, we're talking about special purpose vehicle. A lot of times people don't realize, well, one, I, I always say that the United States of America is a corporation. It's not a country. And because it's a corporation, the laws are set to benefit corporate entities. And we have to utilize those corporate entities to our benefit as well. That's the game that's being played. And that's the rules. We have to learn those rules of the game. So any type of corporate entities, that's, that's that SPV that you would utilize when you're going to do an actual acquisition. Now, do you have, Justin, is there a specific industry or industries that you focus on? Or are you just, you know, focusing on the raising of the capital and the, the larger hedge firm is actually the one that is deciding where it's actually placed, which industry is placed into? Exactly. Yeah. So when the, so Forte Capital Group's Innovation X Fund is very specific. They, they like to get in after the giant private equities in there, in between that and the IPO. So 
I'll just run you through the one we just did. It's Flexport, which is a $6 billion company. Mm-hmm. And you know, they operate in 116 countries, massive, massive logistics company. So mm-hmm. Forte has got all the resources to analyze the deals, put the deal together and get access. I mean, at that level to get pre-IPO shares of, you know, they were in Uber, Spotify, Airbnb. I mean, the biggest, best investments in the world, it's all about access, right? So instead of us trying to do it ourselves, we're building relationships with the people who are the best at it so that we can gain access. That's that's really what the game is at this level because they don't need money. I mean, they can raise $100, $500 million in 30 days if they want to. So it's really about relationships and who they want to do business with. Oh, man, just you about to become my best friend, man. I love this. <laughs> this is the type of conversations that, and to be honest, some people get, I guess, maybe intimidated when they hear these types of conversations. But it's important to start, you know, getting familiar with what it is because it also goes into your in your investment strategy going forward, right? Because there's so many things that you can invest in, but understanding this game, understanding these terms, understanding the strategies with private equity, with hedge funds, with with all of these things, that, that will really change your perception and strategy on your investments overall. I think that's why we're about to get into that delay game soon too. But yeah. I really love this, man. I love this. Yeah, and that, that doesn't go away, by the way, the feeling of inadequacy. I mean, these are big numbers. I'm I'm new in the space. It's only been a year, so I'm still learning too, you know? Awesome. And you just you gotta just be willing to be in the room where you're uncomfortable and you know it's just bigger zeros, bigger, bigger, bigger. But I mean, you just gotta show up and learn definitely, and it's okay. Definitely. So yeah. I guess it's already yeah, time that you gotta explain the difference between what is the delay game, right? Because I know the long game and I love uh, my investment strategy is all about the long game. Right. If I if I'm I'm not the day trader, right? And and you know, three major ways of creating wealth in this world is real estate, businesses, owning a business, whether you buy it or build it, and then your your financial markets, your stocks, your crypto now, your forex, whatever it may be. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, when it comes to like the uh, the financial markets, I'm going after I'm doing the Warren Buffett strategy, the long game, right? unless I'm about to learn that it's actually the delay game. I don't know, but the long game is what I'm doing. And for me, it's like, hey, stock market is dropping, recession is happening. Awesome, let me scoop up some stuff. <laughs> and I know it's gonna go back. It's gonna go up again, maybe even higher, because we, we, we look at the history of data of the financial markets. So explain a little, elaborate for us, long game, delay game, what is this really about? Yeah, so, the delay game to me is is the way that we're all taught to invest. Like the middle class mindset is basically investing and in delaying your access to your investment until you're pretty much retired. You're not young anymore and you can't really use it in the sense of your quality of life, right? So I'm not interested in the delay game. The long game is like we can make long investments, but it's so interesting to me. Our bills hit monthly. All of our expenses, what we actually need money for is a monthly problem. And the delay game is how we're taught to invest. It doesn't help you until way down the road. So it really suppresses your quality of life. So to me, the long game is we're still investing for the long term, but it's got to provide cash flow today so I can live my life. So I can still enjoy this while I'm young and get some life experience. So there's a balance of you know, fast money, medium money, long money, I guess is the way to put it. In real estate, that'd be... You know, fat, fast money would be wholesaling and then and maybe flipping a house is medium and then buy and hold is your long money, right? So you want a blend of these buckets yeah. 
But for me, if it's tied up in a retirement vehicle, no access till you're in your 60s, it's just to me not a, a recipe for success because then when you get to that point, now you've got a nest egg and you need to draw down off that. And in retirement, you're going to live in complete fear because you're probably going to live through two crashes before the end. Yeah. And then how are you going to draw down? How are you going to live if, if you're losing half your principal twice in retirement? So it's just not a, it's not a recipe for, for comfort and peace of mind, I guess you could say. I love that. You know, I, and I never put a term to it before, but I agree because I, I worked at Microsoft and I remember when I left Microsoft before I became a full-time investor, and there we go. Someone in the audience, Miss Tiffany, she's actually part of our BBI community. She mentioned like 401ks. When I left Microsoft and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going full in as an investor and as an uh, entrepreneur. And I cashed out my 401k and everybody was like, don't do that. No. <laughs> but I don't know. I think I've made a thousand to three thousand times what was in it since then, since those years ago. Right. You know, it, I used it for, I needed it now for, I didn't cash out and go buy, I don't know, a new car or something. I bought things, I, I invested in things that were going to give me a return using the long game. So yeah. I, I, I ended my delay game <laughs> strategy and then said, no, let's go with a long game. Now, but how did you, is it because of your father, but how did you really identify that and say, because that's not something that most people are easily you know, able to do. They were kind of taught by the school system in here that, you know, yeah, go to go to school, go to get a job, stay there 40 years and then get 40% of your pay. That's what you retire on and, you know, play that delayed game. So how did you break out of that mold and get into the long game? You know, like I'm very observant, right? And, and if I see something that doesn't make sense to me, isn't working for most people, I just go look for other answers, other solutions. And I watched, you know, my grandfather go through 2008, you know, he did it the traditional way, never made a lot of money, saved it, retirement, you know, got a couple million dollars in a nest egg, which is wonderful. But it, you know, he experienced those ups and downs. And, and I just didn't want to go through that. So same thing, same thing with my dad, like he, he bought that and there's nothing wrong with this. These are very responsible decisions, but there's just another level, right? Exactly. So I was just looking for answers and I kept reading books and, you know, I was reading about real estate and cash flow. And, you know, if we can get growth and cash flow and depreciation and get paid four times on a dollar, why am I going to stick it in a 401k? I just, yes. it just didn't make any sense to me. So I, I really got my mind wrapped around real estate first and then read a book called The Lifestyle Investor. Great one. book. It's all about cash flow. You know, it's all about um, capital. Yes. Yes. People say cash is king. Then, then I used to hear people say credit is king, but no cash flow is king. We want that cash that's continuously coming in. So I, I love that. Keep going. Keep going though. Yeah. I mean, re return of capital is the most underrated piece of investing there is because now you're compressing time. If I can throw money into a syndication where I don't have to do anything except wire the money and let the operators handle the deal and then two, three, four years into it, they're doing a refinance and I get my money back, but I'm still making cash flow on the original principal. I still got equity that's going to pay me when there's a liquidity event at some point. Yes. You know, now I'm on an infinite return. And this is the kind of stuff, if you really want to build wealth, you're going to have to compress time, multiply the same dollars in these creative ways. So it's if you just stick it in a, a retirement vehicle, no matter what it's invested in, it's just it's not going to be the same. Bro, I, I swear I'm smiling like cheek to cheek, like ear to ear, because this is this has to be 
one of my favorite conversations so far. And we're only like 16 minutes into it. I just love it because this is a high level conversation. This is this is how people should be approaching their investment strategies. And you, so you did this in real estate and it's the exact same in business acquisitions, right? Because it's the same thing. We're looking for cash flow. I'm, I, I go into an acquisition and I'm saying, okay, well, how much cash flow can I get from this? How much do I want to pay myself from it in on what period of time, what frequency? And then not only is it cash flowing, but it's also appreciating like how real estate would, would do. And I get to control that appreciation a little bit more, right? Because I get to say, okay, how are we going to scale this? All right. I don't have to wait for real estate to just, you know, slowly grow up in, in, in prices. I'm going to say, hey, let me acquire another one of a company in the, in the vertical or the horizontal and roll it into this umbrella. And now the valuation of the overall company has doubled or something along those lines. So what are, what are your thoughts between real estate? I know I'm putting you on the spot there because <laughs> our real estate friends are going to be like, yeah, hey, whatever. <laughs> but what are, what are your thoughts between real estate and business acquisitions? What do you think is, it gives you better returns? I think it's the individual's acumen and, and which is better suited for that individual. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer there. And that's back to the self-awareness. He gave it a politically correct answer. It's but just the truth, right? Because like, let's be honest, like that's your specialty. I, I've never done that. I've never bought b- businesses and, and evaluated them, grown them like that. I would probably do worse than that than real estate. So because real estate's what I understand. It's what I know and like. So I think, I think everybody I think you do good at it, man. It's, it's the same concepts. So uh, when I found out that in real estate, you could also get like seller financing mm-hmm. and just delay your uh, money coming out of your pocket to pay the seller. That's exactly what I do when it comes to business acquisition. That's one of the ways I stack the deal, right? So you know all the concepts and everything from real estate and they apply right over to business acquisition. So, so remember those three major ways of creating wealth. We got to try to do all three of them if possible. But yes, you're right. You kind of specialize in one a little bit more and that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, putting deals together, I mean, if, if I wanted to go that route and, and start doing that, I, I would get with somebody like you and be like, coach me. You know, I, I'd pay for coaching before I'd go and do that and learn, you know, how it works first. Definitely. Definitely. What, what do you like to do? Let's say more like what are you passionate about right now? Mm, right now, man, passionate about this hedge fund. I really am just because it's a new space. And I spent 10 years doing one thing, building one business. And, you know, I'm like re identifying and figuring out who I am. And that's why, you know, when you need to make a big change, like I just decided I'm moving across the country. I'm starting in a new city, new identity, just totally reinventing myself. So I'm really, really diving into that. And, you know, like I spent a ton of time over the years, reading books, podcasts, obsessively learning, trying to figure it out. And then now I got to figure it out in, in terms of I have the vehicle that's going to take me to where I want to go. So now it's like, okay, I'm going to shut off the learning and go all in on execution because you got to have these different phases in your life. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's the most important aspect. You could absorb information all day, but if you don't actually execute, you don't get that firsthand experience and you don't move the needle. Right. You got to take that first step and it all starts with that execution. I love it. I heard, though, that you're into interested and into like health as well, like fitness or something along those lines. Is that the case? Yeah. I mean, we we had an organic food company, so I was I was really deep in the nutrition, but not in the sense of what a nutritionist learns in school. 
for me, it was more so of the origin of your food and how the different types of breeding of animals and the farming changes the actual nutrition that ends up on the table. So that that was our our role was sourcing the highest quality products, delivering it to our customers, vacuum sealed, portion controlled, right? So if somebody wanted four ounce, six ounce, eight ounce, we custom cut and pack the whole thing. And uh, you know, through that process, we built a lot of partnerships with dietitians, trainers, chiropractors, gym owners. That's where we got all of our leads from, were other health and wellness professionals. So really? uh, I saw all the programs that are out there, you know, all the, <laughs> all the different ways to achieve a, a body transformation. And, and I, over the years, I, I just I took every little piece of, of everything I heard from all these amazing people and built it into my own thing. And yeah, I'm obsessed with the biohacking side of things from cold plunging, follow Gary Brecka and 10x health. I mean, the, the you know, PMF mats, ground yes, yes. charge out of you. There's so much you can do to enhance your longevity and how sharp you are on, on a day-to-day basis. But I, yeah, I'm obsessed with working out. I got to do it every day. Even if I'm sore, I'm just going to go through the motions and just get my blood pumping because there's just no other feeling like it. So thank you agree again like kindred spirits right here man i love it because that's the same thing with me and especially when it comes to the biohacking because what people don't understand a lot of times is that you go to a doctor and they tell you hey yeah take this take that but everybody's unique everybody's body is unique and you really got to figure out what works best for you are you familiar with this is that the aura ring yes it is i knew you would i knew you would know it so even simple things like this the aura ring this gives me so much insights into my sleep into you know i I wear my apple watch all the time it's giving me inside eight sleep pardon me eight sleep yeah so you see see, don't 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 let us get started right now on that because that would take us on a whole different path but exactly that's what i mean those are the type of things that are critical for us you know as investors, as entrepreneurs, one of my favorite quotes again is uh, we often sacrifice our health to obtain our wealth, and then we have to spend all our wealth to get our health back. You wow. know, we don't want that, right? So we got to keep that focus. It keeps us energized. It keeps the blood flowing, like you said, and it keeps our mind sharp, right? So it, it helps you to decide on your investments and all your strategies and to weather the storm when things go bad. Right. So you got to be healthy for it, for sure. Yeah, there we go. Britt said biohacking, speaking her language. She's a neuroscientist, so she loves that stuff as well, too. Now, so if you like health and wellness and you're an investor in real estate and you may want to maybe acquire a business, too, let's throw up a gift for Justin right now. Let's see what we got for him. If there's something that we can, you know show him really quick that he might be interested in let's get that up on the screen team let's see what we got hold on let's make sure that they are rolling with it Uh oh where is it uh you're gonna like this one man this is you know a little gift for you we just gotta get it up on the screen I think they're having some technical difficulties. All right, that's going to come in a second. There they go, just a sec. All right, it's coming in a second. As soon as it comes. But, but, you know, I, 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 like I said, I had to see more about you and what you really are into. And then I said, okay, he might be interested in something like this. Now, I have a whole deal team, and one of my companies is called Capital Bees. And the deal team, we focus on first figuring out a person's true acquisition criteria, right? Because there's so many businesses to acquire, that is kind of like being a kid in a candy shop. You're just like, I want that, I want that, I want that. But you have to really be able to, you know, separate it out and say, okay, no, let me focus on what my true goals are. 
And that's why we decided to say, okay, let's let's look at what your interests are and where you're located and yeah. see if here's something you might be interested in acquiring. And this is just a gift to you that we're going to just give you the information on. I'll pass along the, the contact information for the seller, the broker, et cetera. Or I could also help you to actually get it done. What do you think about pharmacy? Would that align with your passions with health and wellness? Mm, I would say probably not. Probably not. Oh, okay. Tell well, us why. Well, I mean, yes and no, right? Like we need pharmacies. We need modern medicine. But my, my whole goal is to not need the pharmacy. You know. There you go. <laughs> now, what if it was like a sports recreational facility, gyms, things like that? Would that more align with your interests? It would. All right. So we got one of those for you too, right? <laughs> I don't think we have the, the flyer for it yet, but now I know which one is more passionate. You know, it'll be more passionate. Uh, I like the numbers that are up there though. Let's, let's zoom in a little bit on that team. So this one is, you know, lower market, but we're asking about 2.9. They're profiting their cash flow. Now, a lot of times people mistake the term cash flow and SDE or EBITDA because not exactly the same things, but overall that's, they're typically close to each other. And so that's the overall profit in there. They're grossing 6.4, which is good because then you could leverage it to get more six employees. I prefer, it has to be a minimum over five because I don't want to work in it, but I prefer closer to 10 and, and higher comes with inventory. Scroll over a little bit. All right, comes with $750,000 in inventory included in that price. Now, I haven't done actual valuation on it for you yet, but I just wanted to present it to show you the, t the types of things that are out there, everything you can think of when it comes to business acquisitions. Now, how does this fit? So we can take that down off the screen. I'm going to send you all of this information, plus the sports facility one that, that we mentioned. And then, you know, hopefully it's something you might be interested in. But how was something like that? How does the business acquisition fit into the long game versus the, the delay game as, as well. It's just like a piece of real estate. Like you said, if it cash flows, then I'm interested. There you know, you it's just go. cash flow is lifestyle. Cash flow is comfort. It's, mm. you know, without it, you know, if, if you're relying off of one main income stream, you are, you're one piece of tragedy away from losing everything. So yes, that's, sir. that's, that's what we're trying to avoid here by getting good at business and investing is, to secure the bag for our family. If something bad goes, you know, we can take take time off if we need to and the cash still comes in. These are the exactly. types of freedoms that we're trying to build in for ourselves. Multiple streams of revenue. Even if you stay in your nine to five, that's your decision. You love your career, but still have other streams of revenue that's coming and paying you when you never know what could happen and the rug is pulled from your feet in your nine to five. Now, I think it's time that we go into pop. We have to pop what it really means to play the, the long game instead of the delayed game. Now, could you explain to the audience more, like, what are the pros of if you choose to do the long game versus the delay game? What are the pros that you, you know, you of doing so overall? So I, there's a lot. Right. And it depends how you structure things. The way that I structure, I have, I have two main buckets. Right. So I've got the hedge fund income personal account there plus active income and the real estate is not what you would think, right? I'm yes, I'm investing in it for the returns, but that's not the main reason why I'm investing in the real estate. I'm investing in it for the tax benefits, the depreciation, the cost segregation, right? So 
if I put a hundred grand in a deal in year one, 50 to $60,000 is a paper loss that goes against my hedge fund gains. So it's not necessarily your return on investment. It's how much you keep of your return on investment. So that's, yes. that's yeah. why you're building these buckets together, right? It's great to make a lot of money, but if you got to give half of it away, you didn't make that much money. So yeah. strategically building your investments so that they work together to maximize the returns. That's, the whole I, love that. I love that. That is, and you know what? I never pretend to be a real estate expert. I stay in my lane too, but I just dabble on the real estate side. But I, I learned that in the last few years of exactly what you just mentioned. I was looking, matter of fact, right, just right now, I'm looking at a deal that includes a private island. But the private island, the real estate makes takes up the bulk of the acquisition costs. And then from my business perspective, I'm like, yeah, but look at the amount of the EBITDA and the profit in the business. We're gonna, it's going to be kind of crazy trying to pay off that, that debt. You know, we'd have to stretch it out significantly. But then I always remember that, no, but you could use the real estate to deduct on taxes. And then that balances out. It's exactly what you're saying. And, it, you know, it makes sense. And that's why those three major ways of creating wealth, they go hand in hand. They help each other out. And that's why you have to diversify your portfolio overall. I, I love it. I love yeah. it. Man. And it really helps if, if you are going to own a business to own the real estate underneath of the business. And that's what's coming. That's what I've been seeing a lot because I focus on. So you always want to look for motivated sellers, just like how you would in real estate. But my favorite motivated sellers are the baby boomers. All of them are retiring this decade of the like 50 million of them, like 12.5 of 12.5 million of them have businesses and 80 to 90% or more have no succession plan and their kids don't want it. So then they're just like, I don't know what's going to happen. And there's not enough people that know that they can or how to acquire the business. So now we're able to swoop in and, and pick it up ourselves. So I love that. I love that. Now, because they're baby boomers, they probably had their business for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years or more. And the real estate's paid off. So more and more deals that I'm seeing now, not only am I getting the cash flow in business, but it's coming with real estate too, which I'm going to use Justin's strategy to then help balance against the, the, the deductions that we would get on the tax benefits. And so, so I love it. This is perfect. <laughs> yeah. There's just so much you can do. Like when we, when we sold our business, you know, you got, you got a big tax bill when you sell a business, but there's a lot of ways around it. We kept the real estate underneath the business and just spent a lot of money on the real estate, right? Like doing a solar project on top. All that CapEx is also coming off your taxes. So you just add a bunch of value to the property. You get to write off what it costs. And then you get to go to the bank and do a refinance at the new valuation and grab that money back tax-free. I, I wish Coach Big Joe, who's a member of my community, I wish he was on here. He would love to hear this conversation because that's, that's his specialty too. He acquired a college. And I teach that I, I focus on acquiring cash flowing businesses, right? That's not the only method of acquisition. For example, I, I don't like acquiring franchises, but I know tons of people who became millionaires and billionaires off of franchises, right? Mm -hmm. But he acquired something that was a distressed business. He acquired a college that was failing because it didn't adapt. It didn't adapt well during COVID to go online courses and things like that. And I was like, I was like, Joe, why would you do that? 
He's like, because I know the assets that they got in the real estate. They got a solar farm and they got this and that. And he was like, okay, I'm gonna use that real estate. And now I'm a. I was like, oh, <laughs> you taught me something. <laughs> Definitely, I love this. All right, okay. So let's let's go into the opportunities, right? What are some of the things that's happening in the world, in this country, whatever it may be, opportunities that that exist or coming up? Why you definitely want to make sure you're playing the long game instead of the, the late game. Yeah, in our space, the biggest opportunity I see right now is is around AI. In in, in our trading funds, you know, we we use AI driven algorithms to trade currencies, commodities, things like that. And you know, if you got a good algo, you can you can really make outsized returns that beat the benchmark, right? So that's Ooh. that's the foundation of our our main trading fund is using these types of products and, and innovations to, to beat the market. And it's working beautifully. Oh, okay. <laughs> now you have to elaborate a little bit on that for me because you, so you're creating a proprietary algorithm utilizing AI in order to improve your investment returns. Yeah, there's, there's lots of ways to, to do this, but the, what I'm talking about is latency trading in terms of like when you when you submit a, a market order to a brokerage someone mm-hmm. has to buy it it takes some time to fill the order right mm-hmm. and we're talking a matter of seconds yeah. but if your ai and your algo is faster than the brokerage you can predictively see where a currency pairing or a commodity to a currency pairing is going to lean and then with pretty high accuracy you can place high frequency trades you know where you're in and out on that predictability it's called arbitrage Mm-hmm. And, you know, like use some leverage, tight stop losses and gaps, and you're in and out of these trades. You know, you only trade a couple hours in the morning and then you're back in cash. What's great about that is you're not exposed to geopolitical events, overnight yes. market chaos. So you hit the target, you get out. And then, you know, that's that would be one piece of the fund. And then for diversification, doing other strategies, different brokerages, different places, different firms that are implementing their strategies and you add it all together in a trading fund and we got a 20 to 30 percent annual target justin I- <laughs> <laughs> thank you bro <laughs> i love this thank you i have to invite you at this very moment to come and speak to my community one day we meet weekly oh i want to expand on that specific topic but so much more so thank you thank you this is awesome i love it but yeah. we got to get to the most important part, the problems. What is it that you may face? The problems you may face doesn't mean you don't go down the route, but we need to know these things before we really focus on that long game versus the delay game. Yeah, there's there's problems for sure, <laughs> <laughs> especially when we're talking about the private placement space, you know, and any type of accredited invest investing in 506 C's, you know, the risk is high. It is. You can lose all your money in any of these things, the real estate, our fund, and it's, it is the true shark tank. It's easy to get scammed. There's all kinds of problems. Mm-hmm. So due diligence, obviously you can do all the due diligence in the world and still lose. So the problems come into, well, I'll tell you how we solve some of these problems. Third, third party reporting for everyone that's listening to this, this is the most important thing. When you go and vet any investment, in my opinion, is do they have third-party reporting in place? Do they have an administrator that's not part of the fund, right? Mm. Because if the fund does their own reporting, that means I can falsify things, I can send you anything, and you got to take my word for it. So I I don't feel comfortable with those situations. So like at Kearns Capital, we use the Boulder Group. 
They send our investors a report every month. They handle wires in and out. They do all the compliance and it separates the fund managers from the money, which is really important as far as keeping the investment safe for the investors, as safe as you possibly can, because these are high risk strategies. Things can go wrong. It's just it's part of the game. So, you know, anybody coming in, I just tell them, look, I'm not an investment advisor. I can't tell you what to do, how much to put in any of this stuff, but be responsible with what an allocation percentage is where if this does go bad, you're okay with losing this money because it can happen. And everybody needs to know that going in. There we go. That is a powerful problem, yet it doesn't stop us. It's just a matter of how we approach our investments. And, you know, we're doing our due diligence in every single case. But I, I when it, from the business aspect, when we're acquiring a business, I love to have, obviously, audited financials. Right now, if you're going on a smaller scale and you get in a mom and pop shop, most likely they didn't have some sort of audited financials, but at least the CPA that they use to file their taxes and confirms that they've, you know, reviewed the information and it's accurate to a certain extent, at least things like that. But then I, I love to look at data as well. Right. So I'm going to look at, you know, what's currently happening and what's the trends right now, their, their P&Ls and their bank statements, et cetera. But I'm going back far as well. How did they survive 2008 recession? How, and that's why I go for those older businesses because it has enough data for me to look at and make at least the most educated decision that I can and reduce my risk as much as possible. But there's still always an element of risk, no matter what. I love this. I love this, man. Now, wow. That's a powerful problem. And you gave solutions on how to navigate around and how to mitigate that risk. Is there anything else that you would say to the audience overall on what they can do to get into that long game right away and to stop that delay game? Would you, and I know you may not want to officially say this, but would you also advocate for people to do like what we did where we were like, hey, I'm, I'm cashing out that 401k and I'm going to focus on an investment that's actually going to give me return. I know you may not want to fully, you know, officially rec- recommend it, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I do recommend it if, <laughs> if. You've got a path that's better, right? So that was the calculation for me is I knew we were getting three to 6% a month in, in, in the fund last year, right? So it was an easy decision to pay a 10% penalty and get it back in two, three months. And then it's house money, right? So if you see an opportunity that's going to give you more than 10% annually, pay the penalty, get your money out and welcome to the real world of investing. You just got to decide what type of investor you want to be. There we go. You heard it here first. Listen, I got something that I ask a lot of my guests, but I already know the answer for you. So (laughs) I'll I'll just go through the motions, right? I have a challenge that I'm putting out to, you know, just out into the ether to everybody. And this is not no Instagram Tide Pod challenge or something like that. (laughs) It's called the Trillion Dollar Table Challenge. Now, I want to sit at the end of this decade. I think that's a realistic period of time. End of this decade, I want to sit in a room. I want to sit at a table with investors like us. And we have a trillion dollars AUM. Now, a lot of times people feel that, well, first of all, they feel like a trillion dollars. That's insane. No, I'm not talking about a trillion dollars cash in my pocket. I'm saying AUM. My portfolio of businesses that I own, my portfolio of real estate that I own will equal to X amount. And then I'm going to sit at a table with a hundred, a thousand, however many other people where we're all focused on our AUM. Will you be at that table with me? 
You better believe it. I already knew the answer, man. I mean, you, you're, you're already in the space that can get you there. And, yeah. and that's the key that people have to understand is, yeah, you can say it. You can say, yeah, I want to do that. But what are you doing to actually get there? And there's only certain things that can get you to that type of level. And definitely real estate, definitely business, whether you own or build it, and definitely the financial markets. Would you say there's anything else that would can really give that type of wealth, help create that type of wealth? Yeah, there's there's tons of things, you know, I, and this has kind of been my my philosophy with it is I want a lot of high risk plays, but a, a responsible allocation of them. Right. Ooh, so, nice. you know, the first time I just did my first oil deal. Right. Really? Uh, yeah. It's new space. The numbers look great, but I didn't really know what I was doing. So I went in with a very small amount to start. Right. So I think you should test these things and then go deeper. Like just don't put it all in one place. It's just I think it's irresponsible, right? Because we can't afford negative compounding in our portfolio, yes. right? That, that, that's why the stock market doesn't work for me is because I know we're getting a 30, 40, 50% drawdown every 10 years or so, maybe multiple times. And to come back from that, it's catastrophic to the portfolio. So, you know, I'd rather have 10 high risk plays with 10% of the portfolio, knowing that two of them might blow up, but the net benefit, we're going to be up hundreds of percent versus the alternate route. So that's that's what happened in this this oil deal. Mm. Out the gate, fire. The cash flow is like seven, eight percent a month, right? Mm. Great numbers, but there's there's risks, right? There was an explosion on a field next door, which completely interrupted the investment. Now there's been no cash flow for three months, right? So you you gotta be prepared for these things and it's gonna happen. But I would still rather play and these high risk spaces. And now I got, you know, a bunch of real estate. I feel real comfortable with that, but I need to find other things to put in this mix. Maybe the next thing is learning how to do these M&A deals with you, you know, like that could be the next thing, but plant these seeds. Don't get too emotionally involved in any one investment, no matter how much you love it, be responsible, have discipline, have, you know, I'm not going over 10% in any one thing. It's just because I already assume going in, I could lose it. So I'm not comfortable with losing more than 10% of my portfolio on one deal. Oh, man, you have, I mean, this is amazing. This is amazing. And even in your closing statements right there, you said, you know, no, I don't want to go more than 10% in any investment with the potential of losing across my portfolio. Or, or you said, I like to play the high risk game because of those returns. Or, you know, everything that you said right now is just amazing investment advice and for you to say that, you know, you're new to the space, bro, I don't, I, I look forward to seeing you 10 years from now because you're, 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 you're on the right path, man. And you're doing amazing things. And I'm happy to have you as a guest on Entrepreneurship Exposed for sure. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me here. Definitely. Definitely. Well, stay tuned. We're going to talk backstage a little bit too. But everybody, well, first of all, Justin, how can people get in touch with you? Is there, you know, maybe be part of your fund, anything along those lines? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, we're getting ready to launch Fund 3 in August. So it's, it's a great time to get involved. If you're an accredited investor, let me know. But yeah, you can find me on all the social medias. My website is toptierhuman.com. And the website for Kearns Capital is kearns.capital. No.com on the back of that, just kearns.capital. And we're, we're all over all the socials too. I love it. I love it. We'll, put, we'll make sure we put all that information down in the description as well. But Justin, man, thank you so much for being a guest on Entrepreneurship Exposed. Thank you for giving such insightful, direct, and honest information to our audience. And 
I look forward to seeing, you know, having you in the BBI to come and speak. I look forward to doing some M&A deals with you for sure. And I look forward to just continuing to build the, the relationship overall, because like you said, it's all about relationships. It's all about networking. And that's how we continue to build to greater and greater levels. So thank you very much. My pleasure. Love it. All right, everybody, you know what time it is. It's the end of this episode, but make sure you don't miss information and conversations like this. You have to subscribe. You have to like. You have to comment. Share your thoughts and your insight. Turn on the notification bell on YouTube. Share this with other people so that you don't miss information like this. And then you, too, can be playing the long game instead of the, the, the late game. <laughs> it's like a tongue twister. I don't know. All right, I'll see you guys on the next episode. Let's go. It's your guy, Bees. And we are out.